Welcome to the PetCast, brought to you by leading pet charity Blue Cross. I'm Emma Barton, and I'm going to be studying my poppy dog all the way through this episode because, well, I think I know what she's telling me, but do I really? We invite them to live inside our homes with us, and we owe it to them to sort of understand what they're communicating to us. Becky Skirm is one of Blue Cross's fabulous team of animal behaviourists and she'll tell us how to read our pets and communicate with them more effectively. And who better to help Becky out but a man of many animals, pop star turned farmer and my mate JB Gill. It started with ginger and then we added more pigs to the farm. Um, we've, we've rescued cats, we've got obviously our dog and we've got the chickens as well on top of that. And this is what we do on the PetCast. Have candid conversations around the big issues facing pet lovers like me and you with some of the UK's leading pet experts who are on hand to give us their best tips, tricks and guidance. JB and Becky, welcome to the PetCast. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you. It's exciting to be here. <laughs> oh, JB, can we actually just say that we, we, we haven't seen each other for a, a few good few years the last time yes, we saw each other was in a, in, a, in a pressured situation. We did um, Celebrity Masterchef together and it was, yeah, oh. disaster for me. But you did. Well, you did a much better job than you're letting on. Um, <laughs> but it was tough. You're very right. It was so tough and it was just so lovely to see you again. We've just got to talk about this, though. Your famous, massive, huge pop star jacking that in, all those lovely glamorous outfits for a pair of wellies as a farmer. <laughs> yeah, quite literally. <laughs> I love this. What prompted the change? Well, I mean, to be honest, it's always been, I guess, a part of, you know, me. I wanted to have sort of, uh, you know, my own green space and just mm. be, you know, away from everything, especially because I've always, you know, home's always been a nice place to relax for me. Even when I was growing up and stuff, home was like a, you know, a safe haven, which I think it is for a lot of people. As you can imagine, you know, I was busy all the time, traveling all over um, and didn't get to spend that much time at home. Um, and when I did, you know, finally move here, my mum said to me, make sure you, you buy the land. So we've got about... 11 acres of farmland here um, and it, and to be honest with you it was a headache from day one um, I didn't have a clue what to do with it I was hardly here to look after it and it was something that really frustrated me because I was like you know we've got this great space but what can I do with it you know so that was kind of how the discussion about farming started um, you know and, and literally we've not looked back since you know we had um, our, literally rescued our first animal from the RSPCA Ginger who was our pig I was on the on the look for a, a dog because I, I think rescuing is a great thing to do and I'm sure we'll get onto that a bit later on and my dad got talking to the guys that were looking after the uh, the shelter and he ended up you know signing himself up for a pig <laughs> literally so um obviously that as i say that was how it started with ginger and then you know since then it's just spiraled you know we added more pigs to the the herd and so on to the farm we've rescued cats we've got obviously our dog my dog nala so there's been lots of developments over the years what a great sound it must be in your back garden all those noises of all those animals, I would, I would love it. 
Becky, again, so lovely to have you here. You're one of Blue Cross's animal behaviourists. Um, what's the best bit about your job? Where do I start? Um, I'm lucky to do something that I feel very, very passionately about. So um, uh, no day is is a work day, I guess. But it's um, the, the best bits are rehabilitating pets that come into our care, perhaps that have got behavior problems and matching them with new owners much like you guys have experienced that that rehoming and also helping people keep their pets so preventing them from coming into us in the first place and trying mm. to um, help owners better understand their pets and you know educating them on uh, you know their needs and and any sort of um, working through any sort of problems that they might have so that they can keep them and, and maintain that relationship. Let's talk about understanding, like we said, uh, what what our pets are saying and how they communicate. Animal behaviour is something we're learning about all the time. Uh, I guess there are clues, like I think, you know, when Pops wags her tail and, and or barks that she's saying something. But what do we need to know? What do, what are we what should we be looking out for? Animal behaviour is a relatively sort of new thing, I guess, and there's degrees in it now. That's what um, that, that's what I studied uh, to be able to do what I do now. And it's just helping us understand our pets much, much better. I think that in, in terms of, you know, pet ownership, it's really important that we uh, understand what our dogs and, and cats and, and other small animals are telling us that, um, you know, we invite them to live inside our homes with us and and we owe it to them to sort of understand you know what what they're communicating to us jb um do you know can you tell what nala wants from the way she barks yeah i can it's really funny because (laughs) i think if you're if you're not tuned into it and you're not paying attention to it you just miss it nala isn't i mean maybe it's her breed but she's not a dog that will bark very easily or often should i say Mm. so when she barks, you do have to take notice. And I think because of that, it's it's made us, you know, more tuned into, you know, what she's saying, quite literally, and when she's saying it. So, you know, often, you know, as an example, sometimes I'll, I don't know, we'll do the ironing or something or do the hoovering and I'll leave it in. She's got like a little walkway, which we kind of um, leave her in at night time so she can, you know, go, you know, walk up and down Walked if she about. needs to or whatever. Yeah, exactly. And, um, you know, sometimes if I leave it in that, if I leave the, you know, the hoover or whatever in that walkway, She'll come and she'll give a bark. And it's a really short, sharp yap. And she just keeps going as if to say, something's not quite right. It's bedtime. I need <laughs> to go to bed, guys. That, please? Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> Literally. And then, of course, you know, if there's something that sort of alerts her outside or whatever, you know, it's more of a howl. If it's kind of in her, you know, her area, she's got like a hardcore area, which is just outside the back door. She'll literally howl. And you're just like, okay, there's something going on there. Let me check, you know, at least to check it out. And as I say, you know, it took us a long while to get to know that. Yeah. But there definitely is, you know, a distinction between the way she barks and how she does it. Their little language that I think we sort of learn what they're trying to say. It's funny, isn't it? Just like you say, that bark is, Poppy actually barks at me, um, just just one bark. And it's usually around eight o'clock. And that's her telling me, I want to go to bed. And it's so funny. <laughs> yeah. Like, what are you doing watching the telly? What are you doing reading? What are you doing? I, w- I want to go to bed now. Yeah. <laughs> um, Becky, what are the other things <laughs> that dogs do, like, to tell us that they're happy? For example, when my mum and dad arrive, if the windows are open and she can smell them coming, she starts to cry. Now, I just think that's an excited, you know, I'm, oh, it's Nana and Granddad. You know, she's really excited. Is, is, that, is that happiness? 
<laughs> yeah, I think like you've like you've both sort of um, talked about, you know, there are those individual differences and you definitely um, get in tune with your own pet, don't you? And, and their sort of little quirks and ways. But there are certainly some uh, general signs as well to look out for anything um, to do with their body. So tail being a, a really obvious one, you know, a loose, sweeping, wagging tail from side to side is, is generally a, an indicator that a, a dog is happy you know or excited about what what's happening there are other things to look out for as well like generally sort of an open mouth relaxed um sort of face and generally sort of ears up as opposed to um you know the the opposite side of that so uh things to look out for that might mean that a dog is um uncomfortable or fearful of a certain situation there they, they will sort of shrink themselves so their ears will go down their tail will go down and it'll be tucked under their body perhaps, or a very sort of high, sharp uh, tail wag is is sort of arousal, um, you know, or maybe sort of anticipating something that they're not that they're not really sure about. But I think for sure in that context, like you say, where poppies um, can probably, uh, they're, they're so good, aren't they? At recognizing sort of cars and footsteps and, yeah. and, and scent, obviously, as well as a massive thing for dogs. So um, I think you're right in that context, um, that that crying that whining is sort of anticipation of of meeting someone that she really really likes um so so yeah they've all got their little individual differences but those sort of very general body language uh sort of signals are the things to to look out for that that will tell you how your your dog's feeling there you go mum and dad the poppy dog does actually like you (laughs) (laughs) what about when their tail goes down I don't know if Nala does this bit if I have to leave poppy to go to work or out or something and her tail goes down and I hate that (laughs) it makes me feel terrible yeah, it is sort of, again, anticipating something that maybe she doesn't enjoy. So you leaving, you know, if she's, you know, she's got a great relationship with you. Dogs are very social. They like to be with us. Um, so for sure, um, you know, all of those cues, all of those things that you do, picking up keys, putting on shoes and coat, she'll know what that means. Uh, she knows that, that that's, you know, what you do before you leave. Um, so she knows what's coming next and, and it's not something that she feels great about. So you know it's she's communicating that in her body by as you say tucking her tail perhaps ears down you might see the whites of her eyes as well sort of looking up at you that typical um guilty (laughs) look that um owners describe but it is actually what we call um an appeasement behavior so you know it's i'm not sure about what's happening next that's what she's she's sort of saying and is it a good idea because i've read as well that coming back into the house I mean I don't leave her for very long she does have a bit of separation anxiety so I'm all she's always with me really or mum and dad but when you I do come in um I used to make a massive fuss of her like I'm home and stuff is that a good idea it is something that you'll probably read a lot about, you know, don't make a bit of a fuss of her when you come back. And the theory behind it is that, you know, if you're making you being there a lot more fun and a lot more exciting than when you're not there, um, you know, then um, th- th- then she'll enjoy you being gone less, I suppose. But um, right. it's, it's really about trying to, in Poppy's case, um, or any dogs that struggle with being left, you know, teaching them that actually being on your own is okay. You know, you, 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 mm you can you you will survive you know you'll cope and it's just about increasing the time incrementally almost so she doesn't even notice so that she um just gets used to being away from you for for periods of time 
And um, JB, you've got, uh, did you say you've fostered uh, cats as well? Yeah, we've got cats as well. So we've got one cat at the moment, Shadow, she's called, because we literally never, ever see her. But it's funny because, I mean, obviously all the cats that we pretty much rescue are feral cats or semi-feral cats. So the cats haven't had that life, aren't, you know, aren't always suited to going into family environments. Mm. But of course, they, you know, they, for me, I, I still believe they have a purpose and they, they still, you know, have a, a, a job that they naturally do. I remember we, we've, we've rescued quite a few over the years and I suppose our favourite has been uh, Phantom. And Phantom <laughs> was one of the first, that we, in fact, I think was the first that we'd, um, we'd rescued. And when he came, literally... I was scared to put food into his crate. Why? He would hiss. He would try and swipe. Honestly, and I'm not the biggest fan of cats, if I'm if I can say that. <laughs> so I was already on edge. Um, and I just remember thinking to myself, please, can this? You know, this. I think it's three weeks they recommended for you know to stay. And I was just like, please, can I just let him out because it's just too much. Um, and when we did, he was off. We didn't see him. But then. Probably over, I'd say, the course of about six months, of course, you know, just having that regular interaction, mm. food every day, of Routine, course, water every yeah. day. Yeah, and, and seeing us about. He literally went from vanishing every single time that you came down to, you know, to, to sort of see him or, you know, you know, clearing out his litter tray, whatever, to coming up, you know. And I, I obviously still on edge because I remembered, you know, that those first <laughs> interactions. And I was very on, you know, as I say, I was on edge because we had Ace and Ace was probably one, maybe 18 months at the time. Um, and he was quite advanced because he started walking really early. He's about nine or 10 months when he started walking. Wow. So you've got this tiny little baby, basically, yeah. walking around the farm, you know, wanting to do what daddy's doing, all that sort of stuff. And then, the, the you know, the cat was becoming a lot more friendly. And I, as I say, don't have a lot of experience with cats. So I was just like, I'm not sure about, you know, how this partnership is going to go. Worried. But I promise you in a in, yeah, very worried. Yeah. But in about six to eight months, if I told you that like Ace could call Phantom, this is at 18 months, call him, he'd come over, tell him to jump up, he'd jump up. He had a little sort of motorised, you know, car that, you know, a little electric yeah, yeah, Mercedes yeah, yeah. kind of thing, whatever that we charge up. He'd tell him to jump up, come up, he'd jump onto the bonnet of that and he'd, they'd be driving around together and... I cannot, you wouldn't believe the difference in him from when we first got him to that, to those moments where honestly, it was like he was Ace's dog. How, it was, what, what would have been, what would have been the change, Becky? How, what, what, what would have happened? Was he used to the environment or? It's something that we see a lot actually at Blue Cross. So cats, um, they, get a lot of security from their environment. So when you, they're not like dogs, you know, that they get security from humans and company, cats, it's all about their environment. And when you take them from somewhere that they're very familiar and, and put them somewhere completely new, their instinct is to withdraw. It's to be up high. That's where they feel safe and mm. assess the situation from there, um, you know, but before they're even able to start building that relationship with people, you know, that comes sort of seconds, which is so different to what we used to do with dogs. So it's about, um, you know, adjusting to that new environment and what JB is describing there. Um, you know, if if cats aren't given, you know, if you're sort of encroaching on that that space where, where they've retreated to, you know, that's when they can uh, show those sort of signs of, um, you know, sort of sw uh, swiping out or, um, you know, even trying to bite, hissing, all of those signals that say, 
stay away, I'm really scary. And and that's because Phantom was just so frightened, you know, to be in this mm. new place. And um, once they've adjusted, once they realize that it's okay and, and they put their scent down, cats live in a world of scent. So once everything starts to smell like them, once they've assessed the situation and settled in, you can see this almost like overnight change, uh, you know, where cats will, mm. cats in our cattery, they will hide for, you know, months and then just one day you'll go in and they'll just be out around rubbing around you you know wanting fun so it could just happen overnight then yeah so you know it it doesn't it's not a a time frame it can just be like no we know we're settled now i know what what's happening yeah so yeah i suppose perseverance and thank goodness you did you know and just let let get on and do you know its thing it's the same with Shadow now, as I say. We called her Shadow because literally we didn't see him. And we, you know, Ace is older now, so he's almost six. So he was just like, you know, obviously excited because he's remembering Phantom and the stories that we've told him about that and thinking, great, you know, we've got a new cat and we're going to have those sorts of interactions. Um, but, you know, she is still doing the vanishing act at the moment. But that said, even over the last sort of few weeks, we've, you know, and even over the last year, we've obviously been at home, lockdown, so on and so forth. Mm. So, you know, every time I put food out for her, uh, she she's actually not as far away as she used to be right and so she'll like linger and then there's times when she'll obviously go and I've maybe perhaps I've done it quite yet for the day and she'll go and she'll like be hanging outside and then obviously I turn up and she'll like go in and she'll before she'd literally disappear and you wouldn't see her, you wouldn't know where she'd gone now she'll go away but she'll she'll stand and watch because she obviously anticipated mm. I'm going to put food and water and whatever else. <laughs> and then she'll wait until I go. And now I can literally stand maybe by the gate or wherever else and and watch her and be within maybe 20 or 30 yards. Whereas before, as I say, if I was still standing there, you, she just wouldn't, no chance. Wouldn't come. So do you think that's now a sign that yep. that she's saying she loves you? <laughs> I think so. I think she's warming up. You know, she's at least saying, yeah. I like the area that I'm in. Yeah. She says, and you bring <laughs> if food not, every time. I want time. to come for cuddles. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You know what it's like, Becky. Yeah, you're, you're not so bad after all. <laughs> so what do you do like? Because I, I don't have cats, but how, we like to cuddle and pick up and stroke and give attention. But obviously animals don't, they don't do that. So how, when do you know that that's going to be the right time? With cats, once they have are very much established and comfortable in their environment, that's when you can start sort of um, building a relationship with them. And I guess they, they like dogs as well, you know, they come on a, a spectrum, if you like, of friendliness. And, and, and that will be depending on their genetics and their experience with people. So JB's cats, as he said, have, have had limited exposure to people. You know, they're very much live on the periphery, uh, do the job that they do, um, you know, and, and people are very much um, functional. They bring food and water, you know, and, and they're comfortable around, but not necessarily lack cats and then you get your um you know sort of certainly your posh breeds uh that are a lot more sort of friendly a lot you know lap cats like to be around people a lot more so you know although you know breed may be a factor there are lots of things uh within the experience of very early uh, when they're kittens you know what's their experience with people and how much time do they spend with people and how comfortable they are but with all animals you know it's about giving the choice to them, you know, letting them approach us for fuss and cuddling and that real action of, uh, you know, being really close and and um, cuddling is actually a primate behavior. That's something that we enjoy. That's not mm. something that 
dogs and cats especially being a solitary species um you know dogs are social so they do, do enjoy hanging out with us and and being with us and and they do enjoy fuss you know and 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 um sitting with us on the sofa and things but you know cuddling is is very much um a, a primate behavior so it depends on how much exposure and how used to your dog is to that kind of interaction but it can be quite um quite worrying for for some dogs and cats you know just sort of being uh, captured almost you know with no sort of option <laughs> yeah, yeah, to yeah. move away uh you know just because that's what we enjoy it doesn't mean that's what they necessarily enjoy do they understand us smiling to them <laughs> that's a good question certainly good question. yeah 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 certainly there's studies on it actually um and certainly dogs you know they're they're so long domesticated you know with us that they're really in tune with our body language as well certainly better than what we are um at, at reading theirs i think so yeah certainly they will see you smiling and and you your body language will be very relaxed so so they'll know that you know you're you're relaxed and a lot of owners will just describe dogs you know comforting them you know if you're upset so they'll, they'll notice a change in your behavior and they'll, they'll come next to you and they'll want to be with you um so so yeah they certainly pick up on our emotions as well by our body language and, and what we're doing and our words and the way we say them I yeah think. definitely well, I mean yeah. you must notice that JB you know you've got your pigs your chickens your turkeys do you think being with them every day um, and feeding them, sorting them out daily, it helps you read them better. Oh, definitely. I mean, I think it's it's definitely with the pigs, of course, you know, we, we'll interact with them pretty much every single day. And you definitely can pick up, you know, what they're like just by watching and just seeing how they do certain things, how they interact with each other, how they interact with you. Mm. Um, and I think, of course, like you said, your body language and the way that you do things definitely, uh, you know, filters out and filters down to them as well. Mm. Um, you know, and they're able to respond to that. And, you know, of course, I see that you know, mostly with Nala. I, she'll know when I mean come. You yeah. mean, and and it's a very, it's more of a, not a panic to come, but you know what I mean? It's a bit like when you see a child doing something that you know is super dangerous and yeah. it, you're shouting at them, but you're not shouting at them to tell them off. You're shouting at them to like alert them, Warn them you know, yeah. or, a, or a person. Yeah. And she knows when I, when I, if I do that kind of come, it's immediate. There's no yeah. questions asked. She could be a hundred meters away. Like she well, just comes straight away. That's good yeah. training, so, Becky. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I don't know about that. As I say, she has her moments, but I think, as I say, you know, my body language is obviously mm. high alert, you know, and as you say, they can pick that up from, you know, much better and much further away than we can as humans. Have, do you have any small animals, any pets like rabbits or anything like that? No, not yet. I think. Ooh, um, not yet. Not yet. Well, well, of course, you've got little people in the house, haven't we? So <laughs> yeah. I'm sure they'll be on us for something or the other uh, yeah. in a couple of years. But, um, but yeah, no, not yet. I wouldn't say no. I wouldn't say no. To be honest, I'd definitely say as they get old enough, um, you know, a, a gerbil or a hamster or something like that, I'm sure wouldn't go amiss. And how do you recognise their emotions, Becky, like a rabbit or a hamster? Yeah, it's a good question because they're, they're so different to cats and dogs because they generally they don't live alongside us. They're, they're normally, you know, in hutches or, or, or in, hamster, in hamster's case, cages. Um, so um, but but again, they, they've got their their own sort of repertoire, you know, of, of expressing how they feel. And a lot of that with those sort of small animal prey species is that natural behaviours that, that they display. So, um, you know, digging, burrowing 
you know, grazing and rabbits. I don't know if you, either of you have had rabbits, but binkying in rabbits is one of the cutest things uh, you'll see if you YouTube it. You, okay. you'll, you'll lose an evening. <laughs> why? Why? Tell why? <laughs> so it's, um, it's a, again, a sign that a rabbit is uh, feeling very happy and content in their, in their environment. So they'll go most of the time all four feet off the floor in the air sort of some of them spin um and it's very very cute uh so and there's a similar thing in um guinea pigs as well again google it uh you know youtube it uh popcorning um and in the same way they sort of jump up um and make very very cute noises and again you don't see those kind of behaviors uh, unless they're very very happy and and content so yeah something to something to i had (laughs) never heard of that and see this is why it's brilliant we get all these tips from these (laughs) professionals that know what they're talking about oh definitely oh that's so cute I mean my hamster just used to just get in her ball uh, ball and just roll I just thought she was happy then but (laughs) it's not spinning and jumping and doing backflips watching too many of your JLS videos (laughs) probably yeah taking lessons from directly from Aston (laughs) here's a question is it possible for animals to display introverted and extroverted behavioural characteristics like humans. Gosh, that was a sentence, wasn't it? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so in the same way that, as you say, that us as humans, you know, we uh, vary in how social we are. Some of us, the idea of walking in a pub and chatting to everyone, you know, at the bar is our our worst nightmare. And then for other people, that's, you know, that's their bag, you know, that's what they enjoy. And certainly dogs as a social species are the same. And like we've sort of discussed earlier, that will depend largely on their genetics. That will depend on their experience and, you know, what they're exposed to when they were puppies. But yeah, they, they, they definitely are on this spectrum. And I think sometimes dog owners especially sort of feel this need when they've got a dog to go down the park and hang out with lots of dogs and, uh, you know, chat to other dog owners. And that's a dog's dream, you know, being around a, a lot of other dogs. But, you know, JB's dog, for example, you know, doesn't enjoy the company of every dog that Nala comes across. And, and that's, I would say, quite normal. You know, um, it's quite not rare, but there are dogs that do prefer their own company or the company of their owners, you know, as opposed to hanging out with lots of different dogs or just a handful of dogs you know, that they know well, that they walk with regularly, that's sort of, um, yeah, so so yeah, they definitely sort of all fall on this spectrum somewhere in the same way that people do. And actually going back to socialising, things like taking my dog to a pub, she's not interested in that. And if anyone comes to the table, like a waiter or a barman, clear the the table she barks she doesn't show she doesn't enjoy that is that just because she doesn't know those people and she just thinks you're too near my mum is that what it is yeah so I think there's a lot of pressures on dogs now I think to do the things that we do Mm. you know more and more I'm seeing dogs in towns and in shopping uh you know malls and things I mean it's lovely that we're able to do these things with our dogs and you know we can take them out to dinner and things like that now but absolutely 
completely. You know, again, there are dogs that will enjoy that experience that, that are happy, um, you know, greeting other people, you know, and, and being surrounded by lots of unfamiliar people. But like in Poppy's case, it's not, it's not for every dog, you know, and it can be quite overwhelming and lots of different people coming to the table, leaning over lots of mm. unusual smells, potentially other dogs around, you know, that can be quite overwhelming for some dogs and, and those sort of, um, behaviors that we talked about at the beginning, you know, the sort of flattening of the ears, the tail tucking, you know, if they're generally quite, you know, sort of making themselves quite small, then the chances are your dog's not enjoying that experience. And I think, you know, we should sort of question whether we're doing it because we want them there rather than they want to be there themselves, you know, where they would choose to be there. I must say, I shouldn't say it, but it's been my favorite podcast so far because I just find it fascinating and you two are just brilliant and I just want I've got to come and visit your farm JP please I want to see (laughs) the turkeys and the piggy pigs too and obviously give Nala a cuddle yeah but to sum up this episode today uh, what would your top tips be please Becky to communicate more effectively with your pet So I don't think as pet owners, you know, you need to be an expert, but there's so much out there now, certainly, uh, you know, on our website um, about body language, what to look out for. And I think, uh, you know, just knowing the basics can help you understand your pet much better and uh, sort of learning about them as an individual. You know, what do they enjoy when you know what to look out for? You know, you can sort of see what might be uh, sort of making them a bit fearful, what they're a bit worried of. And, and, you know, equally what they enjoy and you can really sort of tap into that. And um, I think when when you know your dog as an individual, it's it's quite magic to watch, you know, an owner and a, and a dog, um, certainly a dog train, um, you know, but a cat too, you know. So I think understanding them and having those uh, foundations can really help build that relationship. Any top tips from you, JB? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, I've, I suppose I've got two, two big ones. Oh, um, on. You know, time. Yes. Mm. I think time, you know, we all, we all know time heals a lot, you know, and mm. it, just as in human relationships, I think time that you can spend with any animal, you know, is only going to improve your relationship with them, only going to improve that bond that you can build. Um, you know, like, we, like we've said, my personal experiences with Phantom and some of our other yeah. cats, you know, all of our animals, really, with the pigs especially, you know, over time, they've just, they've just come into their own. And it's, as, like Becky said, I didn't know but it's because they're more familiar with their environment and stuff like that, you know, and, and I'm no expert, that's for sure. But, you know, I've clearly seen the changes and, and you know, the, the um, you know, the, how they've developed and how they've come on. And then the other one is love. You know, I think, again, love conquers all. So it's, you know, again, very true for, for human relationships, for personal relationships and, you know, exactly the same for them. You know, we rescue all, pretty much all of our chickens from the British Hen Welfare Trust. But when they, you know, when they're there, it's just heartbreaking when you see like they've got no feathers they just they literally look like they've been battered and just left you know what I mean like no care at all and of course they come onto the farm we give them you know straw in, in, in their uh, you know in their yeah literally love you give them straw you give them food you give them water you know give them corn a bit of a treat you know and you just spend a bit of time with them and you see how much they come within a couple of weeks you know they're full of feather again and they're just relaxed and you know for me as I say you know love is is a a huge tool I believe in getting to understand and communicate better with our animals well you're a blooming lovely man yourself I must say (laughs) darling thanks Emma and I have loved 
good talking of love having you both today on the Petcast. Ah. You've just been a joy. Thank you so much, ah, JB and Becky. That's it for this Petcast. If you've enjoyed this episode, please feel free to share it with a fellow pet lover and click follow or subscribe to get the latest episode on your phone when it's ready. For more information about everything we've talked about, go to bluecross.org.uk forward slash petcast. I'm Emma Barton and the Petcast is a bingo media production for Blue Cross. Mm-hmm.